Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. about money and um, we won't really at some at some point we'll actually probably have to do some math but uh, but we're just going to go ahead and get started on this it's going to be a little bit more uh, different style of teaching but I think I think you'll be blessed I think you'll enjoy it and I think it's going to be good for us I feel God is going to bless us uh, how many people here want to be blessed I want to be blessed hallelujah amen so when when we talk about money and uh, the church, and uh, most people's minds race to the idea of tithing. I am going to teach on tithing, but I'm not going to teach on tithing until the very end. In fact, my very last lesson is on tithing. And I promise you, uh, if you're here for that last lesson, I promise you, you will hear things about tithing that you've probably rarely, if ever, heard. Um, I have... Uh, I have some stuff that I know I never knew about tithing and stuff that I haven't even myself heard. But we'll talk about tithing last. And uh, for, for right now, I want to talk a little bit more about money in general. And this first lesson is called, What is Money? And I want us to, for a few seconds, evaluate, if not re-evaluate, um, what our definition of money is. Uh, the first thing I want you to understand is that the most significant thing we can understand about money is that its value and effect extends beyond paper bills and metal discs. I want you to stop and consider, for example, how that a million dollars in cold cash, amen, is good in a thriving economy. If somebody gave you right now a million dollars in cash in a steady, normal uh, operating economy, I wouldn't say our economy is normal right now, but just in a functioning economy, a million dollars has great value. But if I gave you a million dollars, I want you to think about this. If I gave you a million dollars while you were stranded on the desert, dying of thirst, a 99 cent bottle of water would be worth more. Right? Right? Um, And so the reason I'm saying that is because the value of money, the thing we have to understand is that the value of money is not fixed. Uh, All right? It, it, It... it, it changes with circumstances, uh, it changes with location, and it changes with people. Um, money, money's value goes way beyond the paper it's printed on and the coins it's on. All right? Um, in fact, to give, you a, to give you another example, a million dollars in cold cash is worthless if you're the only person on planet Earth. So if you were all by yourself, your million dollars wouldn't be worth a penny. You need somebody to exchange that money with. So, and, and that's, 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 that for me, maybe everyone already had this revelation, but for me that's been one of the most revelatory things I've ever come to understand about money is that by itself, left alone, as an object, it, it's actually, it doesn't 
It doesn't have value. There's certain components that have to be at play in order for money to have value. All right? So, um, this is even God's perspective about money. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, in verse 43, uh, the Bible says, And he called unto his disciples, and saith unto them, I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. And then listen to why Jesus says that this poor widow's two mites, which is the equivalent of a penny, gave more than everybody else. He says, For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So here you have this woman who only has two pennies or a penny. And she puts it in the offering. And, 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 and Jesus says, she has given more money than everybody else. Right. And that's because Jesus has a different perspective of her money than, than the local economy. He sees her as, and he says, he says, her money, the value of her money is actually now predicated, amen, by her lack of money. She is giving when she has nothing to give. And so Jesus says that actually makes the value of her money go up. And so it's so vital that we understand that the the bank has one perspective of our money. the, the, The economy has another perspective of our money. The government has a perspective of our money. But let us never forget that God has a perspective of our money. There's a way that God values your money. Amen. God has his own economic eye. Amen. Up there, wherever he is. And he looks down on your money. And he actually uh, also has a an opinion about what your money's worth. Yeah. And um, uh, so keep that in mind. Money is uniquely a spiritual thing. Money is a spiritual thing. How do I know that money is spiritual? Well, one of the ways we know that money is spiritual is because it has no place in the animal kingdom. Um, animals have no concept of money. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't have pets, but if I had a dog or a cat, um, if I came home tired and I started and I went to sleep, my cat would understand that. Right? Like my cat knows what it is to be tired and take a sleep. Or my dog. If I came home hungry and I started eating all the food on my plate, my dog would understand that too. He, he You know, because he, he's done that. He does that. But if I reach into my pocket and pull out $100 or even, you know, some gold coins, my dog is just clueless. Um I could, I could hand my dog my ATM card and the PIN number, but the dog doesn't know what that means. It just In the animal domain, it has no significance. They don't understand it. Money is a uniquely human phenomenon. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little, uh, a, little, uh, a little tip here. Anything in, the, anything in humanity that is exclusively human, meaning only humans do it, will typically, not always, but typically also have an effect on our salvation. You have to monitor anything in the Bible that only humans do. Because that, that, that action, that 
um, behavior, whatever it is, if it's exclusively human, it's going to have certain bearings on our salvation. Jesus touches on this very simple fact that I'm talking about. A uh, very familiar passage of scripture. We've all heard it. We actually know what it means on another level. But listen to this. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, cast not your pearls before swine. So even Jesus is making this very basic and obvious assessment about money uh, that you don't give pigs pennies because they don't the animals don't have any concept of the value of money. Um, um, you know what? I actually didn't write that one down. <laughs> but but uh, it, but uh, sorry, I'll, I have verses for everything else. That one I didn't put in there. Uh, but that's that's such a common one. We've all heard it, right? Cast not your pearls before swine. And we know what it means on a on another level. It means you know, be careful who you be careful who you. Uh, you give your attention, your emotions, your valuables to. But Jesus here is comparing it to something that he feels all humans should know. And that is that animals don't know the value of money. It is a human, it is, it is, it is a human enterprise. Amen. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about money and emotions. Um, everyone say money and emotions. Um, Jesus himself highlights the fact that money has an effect and a reach that goes beyond bills and metal. It goes beyond notes and metal discs. In Matthew 6.21, we could, when you hear me quote it, you'll probably all can quote it with me. But Matthew 6.21, it says, where your treasure is, the where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, we've all read this. We've all probably told this to ourselves several times. But make no mistake about it. Jesus is telling us that our emotions follow the course of our money. Wherever your money is, that's where your emotions are also. Alright? Um, if we were all... If, if you were at all interested about your emotional health... You should monitor where your money goes. Now, in the Bible, uh, I'll give you a little. I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you some some insight. In the Bible, uh, when you hear the word heart, it, it can. It doesn't always mean the seat of emotion. Sometimes, when you hear the word heart, it also means your thoughts. Sure. Uh, and, uh, so, but either way, Jesus's point is very clear. Um, wherever your money is. That's where your thoughts are, and that's where your feelings are. And it's not the other way around. We tend to think that people put money into stuff that they feel passionate about, or that they think about. It's actually the other way around. We put money in places, and then our emotions come after that stuff. Alright? And so if you, uh, if you really, if we really care about our emotional health and our mental hygiene, we should really consider where we put our money. It'll keep you up at night if you don't think this is right. You, you just watch where your money goes and it will determine whether you, how you sleep at night. It'll determine uh, your propensity to uh, ulcers. Amen. Hallelujah. And it'll also, you know, and that, I'm making it negative, but it could also be a positive thing. Um, you know, um, there's been plenty of times, uh, uh, even recently, my wife and I, uh, we've put our money into this. 
We go to sleep at night feeling good about that. Even if it, even if it hurt us. Even if it set us back. We feel good about that. Right. My conscience is clear. Right. I know I know where my money is. Right. I'm not I'm not spending it. I'm not losing it. I'm investing it. I'm right. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have an eternal gift waiting for me right. and an earthly one. I don't I don't regret I don't regret ever uh, putting money in the church offering. I don't regret it. I never will. Uh, I know where my money went that day. Amen. And my emotions are going to go after it. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a side of me that's not going to backslide because I paid for a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, so, hallelujah. But uh, Ecclesiastes 10.9, Brother Willoughby, somebody. Ecclesiastes 10.9. Um, who's got their Bible? Ecclesiastes 10.9. Ecclesiastes 10.9. Ecclesiastes 10.19. Amen. Sister Janelle Ruiz. Ecclesiastes 10.19. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Amen. Everyone say money, money. answers, answers. all things. Things. I am going to tell you how I have typically uh, translated that verse. Uh, that money is the answer to all things. So, for example, uh, if I have a flat tire, um, yes, I need a jack. Yes, I need a, a spare tire. But actually, what I really need is the money to pay for the spare tire. That's how I've always answered or interpreted that verse. But as of lately, I've actually begin to see that verse in a very different light. And it's, it's in this light. Whatever question you might have about yourself or about someone else is answered by money trails and spending habits. So whatever question you have about somebody, if their heart and their treasure is in the same place, if you have a question about somebody, all you got to do is look at where they spend their money. Money answers all things. So um, even in today's economy, companies will literally spend billions, not millions, but billions of dollars to figure out where we spend our money. Uh, as odd as it might seem, the, the same people that are selling you a pair of Nike shoes want to know what kind of soda you drink. And they don't only want to know what kind of soda you drink. They want to know where you buy it. They even want to know at what time you buy it. They, they are very interested in your spending habits. They want to know what kind of cereal you eat. They want to know what kind of milk your kids drink. And they're selling shoes. Because they know that money answers all things. And what they're actually trying to do is develop what they call a profile of you. They want to know exactly who you are. Now, they... Because in the United States we have some rights left, uh, they can't just invade your privacy, but they can follow you. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and they don't necessarily—they don't have time to—they don't have time to stalk you per se. There's nobody from Nike waiting for you outside your apartment, but they don't have to do that. Right. Um, uh, they can look at your spending habits. If, if they want to know something about Sister Janelle or or, or Sister Lene, all they got to do. You know, if all I had right now was a bag of receipts from somebody, if all I had right now was a bag of receipts from, from any of you, without your name, I could probably tell you who you are. Yeah. And, well, yes, um, 
Janelle, but I mean, just all I have to do is, I mean, I'm going to figure out really quick if I got a DSW receipt or a Norse's receipt versus a, you know, a, a Kitty Playland shoe receipt. I, I automatically know this is not her receipt. This is their receipt. And I can keep going down and down and down and down the list. I can even probably tell you what neighborhood you live in by the time it's all said and done. With nothing more than receipts, I could tell you your gender. Yeah. In some cases, your age. Mm-hmm. Right? I could tell you whether or not you have children. I could tell you whether or not you're married. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you what I read. Uh, I think his, uh, the author's last name is Duhigg. But in his book, The Power of, of uh, Habits, Duhigg actually says, whether this is true or not, I don't know. But Duhigg actually says that Target... For example, is so into this that if you were ever ever to take the Target catalog you get at home and compare it to your neighbors, it won't be the same. Because Target uh, is actually their their analytics and their data cruncher guys are that locked into you that they're they. In fact, he tells a very famous story, and it did this really did happen. There was a 16 year old girl who was getting all these. Uh, the, they kept getting all these things in the in the mail from Target for like uh, babies and pregnancy stuff and and women's clothing and all this stuff. And the dad became furious and he went down to Target and he started yelling at the manager, how dare you guys send this stuff to my house? It's just me and my wife and we have a 16-year-old girl and I don't understand why you keep putting her name on this Target coupon list and why would my daughter need, you know, uh, you know, premarital pills. You know, you guys are crazy. And the, the, the manager at Target said, sir, we apologize. We're so sorry. And he got back in his car, drove home. Two weeks later, his daughter was like, I'm pregnant. So Target had actually been monitoring her spending habits. And she had the same spending habits as any mother would before, as in the early stages of pregnancy. And so they're like, you must be pregnant. And so what, how did they know this? How did they know this? Because money answers all things. How did they know this? Because money answers all things. Hallelujah. Now, here's, here's the most balanced, balanced view we could have about money as Christians. Alright? This is, in my opinion, the most balanced view we could have regarding our money. And uh, this is this is a really important part of this lesson. The most balanced view we could have regarding our money is realizing that God grants everyone a specific portion in life. Your portion in life might be less than some and more than others. But for you or I to act arrogantly towards those who have less or resent those who have more is immoral. All right? That is the most balanced view you could have about money. Is number one, God has allotted me a portion. I got news for you. God knows how good you are with money much better than you do. Or he knows how bad you are with it. God knows the effects money has on you a lot better than you do. And I've seen people that they will try their very best to be rich. And I'm just telling the truth. My opinion, from my perspective, God won't let it happen. Mm -hmm. Because God says, I love you more 
And I'm going to frustrate you. I'm going to trip you up. I'm going to stop you. Blah, blah, blah. And then I've also seen some people, honestly, suffer financially, tremendously. And you know what? They're, it just does not affect them. They're like, hey, this is my lot in life. I'm going to work with what I got. God's going to be good to me. And uh, I, may, I may be broke, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm rich in blessings. And, and I'm, I'm making it. And, and we're, we're plugging away. And God's good. So... But just know that, that you have a portion in life. You know, the children of Israel, the, the children of Israel, and I, I, me and my wife can tell you, we've seen this work in our own life. The children of Israel, they, they, they collected something every day called manna. And the Bible says that to him that had, you know, several family members, they never laughed. And, and to him that had a few family members, they never had left over. So every morning God was like, hey, you got five kids? You're going to find you a big bundle of manna over here. And you, you got two kids uh, or you're single or whatever. You're only getting one little bushel full of manna. That's all you need. And, it, and the Bible even says that there would be times when people would try to store it more and it would rot on them. So God was like, I have this fixed for you. I have, and you, you should let that, you should let that settle in and give you peace at night. You know what? I'm not going to be able to be richer than God would allow and I will never be poorer than God will allow. And this is this is why the Apostle Paul could say in his life, and he was referring actually to his marital status, but I believe it applies to everything. He said, I've learned that whatever stage in life I'm in, to be content. To be content. And, uh, uh, and, and actually, later on he goes on to say, with food and raiment, be there with content. So, you should be at peace. I should be at peace. We should be at peace. Uh, whatever. The, here's a really good verse. Uh, it's in Proverbs. I, I don't have it down here, but I'll give it to you next week if you want it. But I think one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible regarding money is this. All the, all the weights of the bag are the work of the Lord. And that what that is saying is whatever you got in your wallet, be it a lot or a little, God did that. All the works of the bag are the work of the Lord. So just relax. Amen. And I know easier said than done, right? But uh, just relax. God's got that all all figured out. Somebody say amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes 10 and 20. Now, um, we live in a society where, and I'm going to actually say something that's probably not always, I think I'm safe here, but it's not always received well on a larger scale. We live in a society right now that really frowns on wealth. Well, I should say this. This is my opinion. I think it's right. I think it's true. There are people that would, that themselves are wealthy that would like for you to frown on wealth. You know, you, you hear this like, you know, most people don't know this. Most people don't ever stop to think about this. You know, you hear all these, like, riots right now here, here in the U.S., and they're like, down with the 99%, you know, or the 99% versus the 1%, down with the 1%, we're the 99%. I have news for you. Everybody will one day be part of the 1%. Yeah. If you think about the economy, everybody will one day... It is a natural thing in a healthy economy for a 45-year-old to make more money than a 12-year-old. Or let's say an 18-year-old. Because in America, you make money based on your job experience. So the older you are, the more money you make. And so when you, when you stop and you think about the way people move, 
at, at some point you have a bunch of adults that are in their 50s or 60s or even their 40s, 50s, whatever, and they're at the top of their pay rate. And then you have a bunch of teenagers coming into the job market. Of course they make less money than, than, than 1% of the rest of the people. They're supposed to. That's the way... That's the way the economy works. I will, if, if, I'm, if I'm even just mildly good with my money, I will one day make more money than most teenagers. Right. Who here, who here made more money as, as an 18-year-old than they do now? Nobody. Right. Nobody. But that doesn't make you a corrupt oppressor of the poor. Sure. Right? Like, that's not what you are. Um, and so, also, like, in, in popular culture, when you, you know, and you don't even have to watch movies. If all you did was open up, if all you did was open up your, 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 your spider book comic, you'll notice there's never any poor villains. All the villains are, like, these really wealthy guys, like, you know, Dr. Octagon. They have all this money to build and shoot missiles and, and take over parts of the world. And so we live in a society that would have you to think, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Batman or you're talking about... Spider-Man or you're talking about some movie out there, you'll notice the bad guy always is, he's some wealthy guy who's like dumping buckets of toxic sludge into the into the ocean and you know, he's this greedy guy who just wants to build you know nuclear plants and, and ruin the planet. That's really not the way so there, there's this there's this negative picture right. being painted out there that you are bad if you're wealthy. Yeah. Alright? Now if, if we believe that God allots people's portion in life, it's not your fault if you're wealthy. Like, I'm telling you, I have met people that are good with their money. They have, they have a grace, as the Bible calls it. They have a grace to make money. They're, it does not affect them. Uh, we, we, we tend to think like, oh man, that money, that's going to get to your head. You just watch. You just watch. You be careful. I have news for you. There are people that are very godly. They pray every day, one hour, two hours, three hours. They fast four days a week in spite of the fact that they can eat at five-star restaurants every day. And they love God. Sure. I'm telling you these people exist. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody shit. Somebody help me. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm telling you I've met these people. They exist. There are people that can eat at a five-star restaurant right now and they're fasting. The money's not affecting them like that. Not everybody who is wealthy is evil. I'm going to give you Ecclesiastes 10.20. I am going to... Listen, I was raised... And this is... And and here's another announcement. If you ever want to listen to these messages, they're on SoundCloud. So you can go back there. I'll give you the SoundCloud link. This is all recorded. This is going up. But you know, uh, my dad was at at our house last night. I'm telling you, I was raised in a tree hugger home, okay? I was raised in a home like vegetarian and you don't don't kill animals and like, you know, you eat lots of barley and wheat and crack. You know, okay, fine. But there was also within that culture this like understanding of like, Wealth is kind of bad. Like you should be able to make it on the simpler things in life. All right. Um, I bought into that my whole life. If if I had never gotten saved, I would be out there riding on 880. I promise you. I was that kind of a person. Um, uh, I was born in Berkeley. Uh, that that's just that's the culture I came out of. And I'm telling you, I. I was deceived. And I, you know, you just talk like this. It gets, it gets uncomfortable, you know? Because especially, you know, I was telling somebody today, I was like, uh, 
we were talking about a particular person we knew that, uh, but we were talking about the difference between like uh, Southern California and Northern California. I was like, you know, in Northern California, it's cool to be broke. In Southern California, you don't want to be broke. You know, like if you live in Southern California, you better wear your your your, your Gucci and your Prada. You know, you live in Northern California, you can wear Birkenstocks and the same pants every week, and you're okay. Like you're actually kind of cool. Um, but so I had very much bought into that mentality of like, you know. If, if you make a lot of money, there's probably something wrong with you. Like somewhere you, you shook the devil's hand. And, um, but I remember, I remember the day, I remember the day I read the verse I'm about to read to you. And, and I, I stopped doing something that, that I had been doing for a long time. And I'm telling you right now, it changed my life. It, it really did. It, it, it changed and I'm this being recorded so people might think bad of me, but it changed my income. I'm just telling you the truth. It changed my income. Who could read uh, Ecclesiastes 10.20? Uh, Brother Willoughby. It says, Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Solomon, the wisest, richest man that ever lived. You know what he's saying? Don't talk bad about rich people. He said, because a bird will go tell them. Yeah. Now, you want the modern, you want the modern version of that? The modern version of that is if you despise, if you resent, you don't even have to despise. If you resent wealthy people, guess what? When you get around them, they know. It's like, it's like, it's like anybody else who's resented. Like if I know when someone resents me for any reason, and I'm, we're not even talking about money. If you resent me for any reason, I'm going to pick it up in your behavior. You're going to, there's this, you're, we're not going to make a lot of eye contact. You're going to kind of shrug your shoulders at me. Uh, you're going to not want to respect me in a certain way. You're going to constantly, you know, resentful people will constantly try to bring you down to a level to let you know, hey, you're not, you know, you and me, like you think you're all that, but I want you to know you're not all that. And, and so Solomon here is saying, hey, don't be this way. Don't curse the king in your thoughts. Don't speak against wealthy people because everybody will come across a wealthy person in their life at one point. And guess what? They're not all evil. And guess what? Some wealthy people would like to bless you. Some wealthy people might like to give you a job. Some wealthy people might like to help you out. But if you have this resentment in your heart towards them because they're wealthy, not because they ran over your cat, not because they told you your lasagna stinks, not because they stepped on your lawn, but just because they're wealthy. If you resent these people, God says, you know what? I'll let them know you resent them. Yeah. And you are, and here's, this is not what I'm preaching, okay? I am not preaching as Christians that we should all pursue wealth. I am preaching that as Christians, whether somebody is poor or rich, we should love people. We should be respectful towards people. And we're not going to, and in a minute, I'm going to talk about resenting poor people because that's something our society does as well. But we're not to resent anybody because of their income, because that's not fixed by us. That's that their income is fixed by God. 
so who are we to resent them for it? Listen, there will come a day in everybody's life where you take a financial hit that you are not happy about. But that does not give any of us a license to resent somebody who's on top of the hill. Like, like, like there's going to be a day like you're broke and you have too much month at the end of your check and life stinks and you're crying and, and you're, 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 you're staying up late at night and then someone's going to come to church in and, and their new car and testify about the raise they just got and buy everybody but you, amen, nachos at the end of church. That, that is not grounds for you to resent them. And listen, nobody owes us anything. Right, that's right. Nobody owns, I know, I'm telling you, I've even seen this play out in church culture, where you have somebody who is blessed, somebody who is wealthy, and, and, uh, and people kind of pick up on that, and people are like, well, you know, let, let, let the Garcia family give. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let let the Johnsons take care of that. That's they're wealthy. You know, like let them do it. And I'm telling you right now, it the Johnsons' money is not greater than the widow's might. I am telling you the gospel truth. Uh, we 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 have a we. I'm not. There there is a person that comes here. Um, they're not here right now. There's a person that comes here. I'm telling you, they give about five dollars every time. Um, uh, and and uh, I got on my knees the other day, and I thanked God for that for that woman's five dollars because she doesn't have no money. She has no means of making money. She is a humble woman. She prays. She loves God. She lives holy. And I thanked God that He would even let me handle her five dollars because I'm telling you right now, regardless of how much money I put in that offering or anybody else puts in that offering, that five dollars is heavy. It's got a weight to it, and I get to touch it, and I get to handle it, and I walk in fear of it. I'm telling you, that woman puts money in this offering and it puts the fear of God in me. Because I'm like, that that widow's might is dangerous. It's the, it's the one that God is watching. And I got news for you. When the Johnsons stretch themselves and they're giving God's, their money quadruples in God's eyes. But don't I remember the day I, this is, I remember the day I read this verse. I thought, man, I kind of like resent people for being like I was doing. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I remember that day. I just changed my attitude, and I like got happy for wealthy people. I was like, man, that is a cool car. <laughs> man, you are you're blessed. You know, like man, that is man. This is a gorgeous house. Man, that is a beautiful lambskin couch. You know, like, that is awesome, man. Are those Ferragamos? Man, God bless you. Like, man, these are payless. Thank you. You know, and but I just changed my attitude. I changed my attitude. And you know what? I'm pro- I promise you, my income went up. God said, you know what? You got a great attitude. You got a great spirit. Money does not affect you. Money is not, uh, money is not, a, thank you. Uh, Money, money is not, money is not making you resent people. Can you say amen? We're almost done. Uh, let's get through this fast. Uh, uh, Proverbs thirteen seven. I'll read it to you. If you want these after, let me know. Uh, we have kids running up to the pulpit, so it's getting tight. Proverbs thirteen seven. There is that maketh rich, yet hath nothing. There is that that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Here Solomon is saying is that there are people that uh, 
that hath nothing, but they make themselves out to be rich. And then there are people who, uh, there are those that make themselves poor yet have great riches. All right, but when you when you look at somebody, when when you look at somebody who does have blessings, I, I would just say when you look at somebody who's living for God and has financial blessings in their life. Your first thought should not be one of resentment or anger or whatever. Your first thought should be, hey, maybe they give a lot. Maybe they give a lot. Maybe that's why maybe maybe that's why they have all that. Maybe they give a lot. Why why should we think that maybe they're stealing a lot? Right? Let's just assume they give a lot. Alright? Proverbs 14.21, before the house blows up. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 14.21. I want to talk to you. This is this is this is the part of like where we where we have to protect ourselves uh, from a lot of political jargon. Alright? Uh, one thing that I've noticed in, in, in modern politics is how much they insult the poor. Okay? Now, we'll, we'll talk in a minute about why people, why some people are poor. But it doesn't really matter why some people are poor. We don't have, we don't have any Christian liberty to make fun of them. Proverbs 14.21 he that despiseth his neighbor sins, but he that may, has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 14.31, he that oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he that honors him has mercy on the poor. Proverbs 17.5, whosoever mocks the poor reproaches his maker, and he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. I I do not mock poor people. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've, I've been around enough poor people to tell you poor people do funny things. I've, I've been poor in my life. I've been, I have lived in the ghetto, like in the heart of the hood. And people do funny things in the hood, you know? But I'm not going to mock them. I'm not going to laugh at them. <laughs> We're going to be all right. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to mock them. I'm not going to make fun of them. I'm not going to take a picture of them and post it on Instagram or on Facebook and put funny words under it. Uh, I, I'm just telling you right now, I've seen Christians do that. I, I unfollow them. I, I don't think that's funny. Uh, I, don't, I don't care if they wear funny clothes. I don't care if they do their hair weird. I don't care if they wear excessive amounts of cheap gold. I'm not going to make fun of them. I don't know why they're poor. Right. Uh, you know, they might listen to weird music. They might do weird things. I'm not going to make fun of them. Right. Right. Not, uh, the Bible says if you do that, you reproach your own maker. Mm-hmm. I, don't care, I don't care what politicians are saying. I don't care what my friends are doing. Right. I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm not going to make fun of poor people. I'm just not going to do it. All right? So uh, uh, the less condescending we are towards poor people, the better. All right? Uh, I don't know what poor is. In the Bible, compared to the U.S. definition of poor, whatever poor is, don't make fun of them. Uh, Proverbs 22.2, the rich, why, why, why should you not make fun of poor people? Proverbs 22.2, the rich and the poor meet together. <laughs> the Lord is the maker of them all. Uh, when, when, when it's all said and done, the, you, and, you and Mr. 
fake gold are both going to die. You know, there's a famous saying, we love to play chess. The pawn and the king go back in the same box when the game's over. All right? So both pieces, we're all going to die. So we're all going to go before God. Let's not make fun of, let's not resent rich people. Let's not make fun of poor people. You will be blessed for having this attitude. I promise. We're almost done. Here's the last thought. And probably everybody has probably already thought about this verse as I'm teaching. 1 Timothy 6.10. If you want these verses, I'll give them to you after. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Alright? Now, first of all, um, that verse is actually, that first part of the verse is actually... It's a saying that was very... It's, this is, it's not just found in the Bible. It's actually found in ancient literature. Okay? And it's actually... In, when it's translated from Greek to English, it's actually said backwards. And it's not totally accurate the way you might see it in your Bible. The reason I'm telling you that is because the love of money in this regard cannot possibly be the root of all evil. Like, I... Thank God I didn't do it today and I don't plan on doing it before the day's over. But uh, I didn't yell at my wife. If I did yell at my wife, that would be evil. But if I yelled at my wife, I can't say that it was because I, I, I was in love with money. Right. Right? Like, sure. So the, but here's, here's, here's the saying. This is how it goes. It, in fact, they find this all over ancient literature in Greece and, and even the Middle East. Here's the saying. All sorts of evils grow out of the love of money. That's, that's really the way the verse reads. It's actually a very famous phrase in antiquity. All sorts of evils grow out of the love of money. When you love money, all kinds of evil things will grow from that. All right. The verse goes on to say, which, will, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That verse there, that, that phrasing, pierced themselves through with many sorrows, the way it reads in the original Greek is to pierce through from one end to another. And it's actually referring to when you pierce like barbecue, like, you know, animals, you, yeah, like a skewer. And it's, and it's saying that, Here's what it's saying, that when you love money, it's going to affect your life from one end to the other. It's going to pierce everything. It's going to wound everything. It will wound your marriage. It will wound your health. It will wound your friendships. It will wound, it will wound everything. The love of money will pierce through everything. It's going to leave a mark and a scar and a scratch and bleeding and bruises on everything. All right? But perhaps the most overlooked aspect of this verse, and we're closing, and I've overlooked it for years. We all know the, the obvious part. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love. That's the obvious. But here's the part that I want you to think about as we close. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's talking to believers. And what he is saying is, Timothy, anybody who would who would exchange a love of God for a love of money is going to suffer unrepairable damage. That's what he's really saying. If you would be so silly as to trade in God for gold, just know this, you're going to hurt. Now listen, who is he talking to? Rich people or poor people? Let me ask you another question. Who dreams more about food? Starving people? Or people who have a fridge full of food? Probably starving people. 
So I want you to know, nobody is safe from the love of money. Poor people are actually probably more prone to love money than wealthy people. So, this is true. This is true. Like, you'll never see a wealth... Like, I, 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 now I sound like I'm making fun of people. But, well, they're not poor, so I'm not making fun of the poor here. But, like, I've seen on Instagram, like, there's these guys, they make these, like, it looks like a gun. And they put, like, dollar bills in it. And then they start shooting it. And they're, like, these, like, rap stars. And they, like, put this, like, it's like a money gun. <laughs> they just shoot the money everywhere. And, and it's like... But these guys obviously came out of very impoverished homes. But you're never going to see... You know, uh, you're you're not going to see Donald Trump with a money gun. <laughs> you know, they're like they're like it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, um, but that doesn't mean that Donald Trump is not greedy. That doesn't mean that he's not. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying we don't we don't make prefer we don't preface it. If you are a saint of God. Whether you're a broke saint or a wealthy saint, we never trade God in for gold. Amen. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen I've seen struggling saints who lack finances, who lack financial means, have a bigger struggle with their faithfulness to church. There's some saints. I'm being honest with you. I've 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 pastored. I've preached enough to tell you now. There's some people. I'm afraid of them getting a better job because I know I'll lose them. They'll buy a car, they'll buy a this, they'll buy a that, they'll make a few extra bucks, and I don't see them anymore. Right. So I, I actually worry about... Exchange it, yeah. and, and Paul here says, who's ever doing that, whether you're rich or you're poor, that's irrelevant. Just know this, that pierce, that wound is going to go through everything, from one end to the other. That's good. God... We thank you for tonight's lesson. Jesus, I'm asking you that you would give us peace about money. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us, God, to not obsess over it, God, to not brew on it, to not worry about it, to not fight over it, God, to not resent anybody over it. God, but I pray that in everything we do, we would honor you with the wealth that you give us. God, I pray that whatever our lot in life is, you would help us to be content. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would remove any greed from our hearts, any resentment from our hearts, any, any, any worry from our hearts, and help us, God, to sleep at night, to have peace during the day, God, and to put all things in your hands that you have given unto us. God, help us to bless you to worship you, to magnify you, to be merciful with those that have less. God, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy to shower down on us. In Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. And uh, amen. Let's take care of babies. Hallelujah.